What's up, everybody? It's Peter Kennedy, your host of the SBNY podcast, and I have a little message for Giants fans and Jets fans alike who thought they had any chance at landing Saquon Barkley. Well, after this draft combine, we might be sadly mistaken, because how the hell is that guy going past number one? Thoughts on the NFL draft and the combine, plus thoughts on Odell Beckham wanting a big old new contract. We got a lot to talk about. It's sports. It's New York. The Sports Blog New York podcast. We got a mini pod. Hey, what is up, everybody? Your guy, P. Kennedy, here, hosting the SBNY podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in with me today. We got some stuff to talk about, man, because. All these thoughts about the quarterbacks in this NFL draft, you know, the big four, big five, if you want to throw in Lamar Jackson, that's where a lot of the hype's been, right? But we have this dude, Saquon Barkley, Penn State running back, coming out here, running fast, jumping high, pushing up more weight than linemen, and he's shaking up this entire NFL draft. So I said in the open, If you're a New York Giants fan sitting there with the number two pick, or God forbid, a New York Jets fan sitting at six, your hopes of landing said running back Saquon Barkley might have gone by the wayside this weekend. Because this dude, if you didn't hear, has gotten some hype. Now, I'm not one to put too much stock into the draft combine, right? I think more often than not, what the NFL Draft Combine can do for prospects is usually negative. It's oftentimes on the negative side. You know, a lot of these good players, these really got great guys we knew from college, whether it be offensive players, quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, or linebackers, whatever, sometimes they can end up hurting themselves a little bit more than they can help themselves because these teams know what they can do. Nobody was sitting here thinking Saquon Barkley wasn't good. Nobody thought he wasn't a top 10 pick, or a top 5 pick. But now we're sitting here looking at these four quarterbacks and who the hell knows who's going to be the most successful, right? Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield. You can ask any scout, you can ask any media personality, reporter, I don't care, unnamed source from an NFL team, and you'll get four different answers almost every single time. You know, you might hear a little bit more Darnold, might hear a little bit more Rosen, some Allen. I don't know. It depends who you ask. It's crazy. Some people even believe Baker Mayfield can be the best. But when you got a guy like Saquon Barkley putting up the numbers that he did in this draft, he's gone from a can't-miss running back to a possible generational talent. You know, I'm thinking about a guy last year, a wide receiver out of Washington, John Ross, right? He ran the craziest time, the, the fastest 40 time in NFL draft combine history, faster than Chris Johnson, all of them folks. And it, it helped the stock, right? He popped up. But a lot of times the guys you don't even hear about are the guys who may have been looked at as a first-round pick, early second, whatever, who run a little slower or put up a few less reps or don't jump quite as high or have smaller hands in the sense of quarterbacks. And they fall, and you don't really hear about it too much. But a few guys every year put up these numbers at the Combine that make you just shake your head and say, how? 
Well, this year, Saquon Barkley was just that guy. And to give you a quick context, the tweet that got pretty buzzworthy was just this exact thing here. The little chart showing the bench press, the 10-yard split, the 40-yard dash, and the vertical jump. And what this tweet showed was past performances of some of the league's best we've ever seen. And let's see where Saquon Barkley racked up against some of these guys. So first off, his possible teammate, if the Browns make that move to pick Saquon Barkley number one, Joe Thomas benched 28 reps, 225 at the combine. Well, Saquon Barkley, little old running back, did 29. And how about Deshaun Jackson? What do we know about him? He's one of the fastest dudes in the NFL. Maybe not anymore. He's a little older. But when he was at the combine, he was young and fresh. Saquon Barkley had a quicker 10-yard split. What do we know about Devin Hester? One of the best kick returners of all time. Well, Saquon Barkley ran a faster 40-yard dash. And then on top of all of that, a 230-pound running back, a guy who already ran a 4-4-40, put up 29 reps at 225, goes over to the vertical jump, and my man jumps 41 inches. That's higher than Julio Jones, who some people on Twitter pointed out was a little injured during the combine. But it was also higher than one Odell Beckham Jr., who we're going to be talking about later. So these numbers, right, like all by themselves may not mean so much, right? But you think about the grand scope of things and the conversation about running backs in the draft, especially in the top five, and how is it worth taking a running back in the top five picks? Because, you know, running backs may not last as long as other people in this league. Or what effect do they have in a quarterback-driven league? Well, all that, all of that rhetoric has gotten thrown right out the window. And I'm sitting here today after the, the main weekend of the NFL Draft Combine thinking, there is no way in hell the Cleveland Browns are passing up Saquon Barkley with the number one pick. Now, there are still a ton of mock drafts out there, all with differing reports. Who has Allen going first? Who has Darnold going first? Who has Baker Mayfield going to the Browns? Well, all those guys still have a chance to fall to the Cleveland Browns. But if you ask me, measly old outsider of the NFL, those guys are going number four or right before that, or right after that. Because in my opinion, after what we saw this weekend, Saquon Barkley is not falling past the number one pick. And this is why. Like I said earlier, I don't usually put too much stock into the draft combine, right? I like the game tape. I like watching the highlights, the game highlights, the full games I can find on YouTube. I like watching that to see what these guys got, to see what they do around their peers at the moment. And no one thought this dude, Saquon Barkley, even had bust potential, right? Everyone thought this guy was great. But then that conversation comes back. Are we supposed to be taking running backs in the first five? Like, what's going on here? Right? But then you hear Saquon Barkley faster than Alvin Kamara, faster than Ezekiel Elliott, faster than Christian McCaffrey. All these top running backs that came through these past few drafts. Even if you look at a guy like Derrick Henry, you know, a beast from Alabama, big dude, strong dude, Saquon Barkley benched seven more reps at 225 than this dude. And now granted, the shorter arms thing helps out a little bit, but seven more reps, that ain't no joke. 
So if I'm trying to get inside the mind of the Cleveland Browns front office here, they don't want to miss on another quarterback, especially with the number one pick, right? Because, like, there's one thing about missing on a top-round pick, a top, uh, maybe top 10, top 15, whatever you want to call it, a high quarterback pick. It, it always sucks if you mess that up, right? But if you mess up the number one pick, your first overall pick in the NFL draft becomes a bust or a guy who sets back your franchise for years to come or a guy who just can't live up to the expectations, the hype, wow, that's a tough pill to swallow. So I'm getting inside the mind of the Cleveland Browns, and I think they're combining the safest pick, which what could also be the most surefire hit of the entire draft. Just think about it. If you're the Cleveland Browns here, and you're looking at all these quarterbacks, which God, everybody knows the Browns need a quarterback. You're looking at Darnold. You're looking at Rosen and Allen, Mayfield. You can tell me, if you can tell me with any confidence that you know one of them will be the surefire best, you're not only lying to me, you're lying to yourself. Every one of these quarterbacks has something that's holding them back. Everybody. You know, Josh Allen has all the measurables. Dude is a physical marvel. But his completion percentage in college? Oof, not much to write home about. Baker Mayfield. Guy has the, one of the most accurate arms in the league. Led Oklahoma to an outstanding season, especially offensive. Heisman Trophy winner. But he's a little small, a little short, right? Not the strongest arm in the world. What about Josh Rosen? He might throw the nicest ball in the draft. He might be the most stereotypical good quarterback, right? Like he looks like Matt Ryan. Just quality, good size, good arm, nice touch. But people question his work ethic. People question his leadership. People question if he cares enough about the sport. People also question his injury concerns. And then on to Sam Darnold, a guy who I happen to like more than maybe any of the other quarterbacks. He's had some underwhelming moments at USC. Yeah, he did kind of bring them out of a rut and carry the the school for a while. He also threw a ton of interceptions, made a ton of risky decisions, and he seems like that gunslinger who, for every good play he makes, he makes a bad one. And think about how easy it is to pick apart one, two, or three things about all of these top four quarterbacks. Do you know who doesn't have these things to pick apart? Saquon Barkley. I mean, watching the game tape, you see this guy's legs are like tree trunks. You see this guy jump cutting left and right, you know, gaining multiple yards on cuts, then bursting upfield, being physical, knocking into defenders, running through defenders, and then the breakaway speed. And, you know, you could see that in game, in game tape. You can see him dominating college, uh, college competition. But then you see the measurables, and you see that it's no fluke, and it's not him just playing college kids. That's him just being an absolute savage physically. And then, damn, does this kid know what to say. Calm, cool, collected, all the right answers. I mean, I know these people go through crazy amount of process to decide who they're drafting. But... Looking at Barkley's whole body of work from the season through the combine 
physicals and the interviews, I mean, goddamn. If I'm the Cleveland Browns, I'm sitting there saying, I'm going to get a chance to pick one of those four top quarterbacks almost no matter what at number four, right? Even if the Giants take a quarterback at two, even if people trade up to the third and fourth pick because, you know, the Colts have Andrew Luck. Even if somebody trades up for the Colts pick at number three, that's still two of the four quarterbacks who are touted as as the big four in this draft. The Browns will have an opportunity here, especially if the Colts don't trade out and don't take a quarterback. They might have a chance for three of the four quarterbacks. And the Browns don't have the track record for picking the right guy, right? Passed up on Deshaun Watson last year. Passed up on Carson Wentz the year before that. The Browns don't have the track record. Now, yeah, you might say if the Giants take quarterback at number two and that ends up being a big hit, the Browns may uh, you know, look back and say, damn, wish we got Darnold or wish we got Rosen instead of that, instead of Mayfield or Allen or whoever we got at four. But if you can package Saquon Barkley with the likes of Allen, Rosen, Darnold, or Mayfield, getting him at number four, that could be the dynamic duo of your franchise for the next 10 years. The next 10 years. When have the Browns had any sort of consistency for 10 years? Not in my lifetime. And basically almost never in their entire franchise. So I really want to know what you guys think about this. Because before today, before this weekend, I'm sitting here thinking the Browns have to take quarterback number one. Maybe Saquon Barkley will be there at four, and they'll be lucky, right? There were even a lot of mock drafts out there thinking that Saquon Barkley could end up at number six for the Jets to take him. Well, I'll tell you what. There is no chance in hell he's making it to six. Because if he even makes it to four, I would be absolutely shook. Absolutely shook. I've also been pretty intensely on the train for the Giants to draft a quarterback. You know, I've been thinking, everyone, a lot of my friends, a lot of people I see on Twitter are saying the Giants should take Barkley because, you know, Eli's got two more years, man. Eli's got three more years in him. Oh, you put Barkley with Odell Beckham, Sterling Shepard, Engram. Oh, man, that is a team full of weapons. Defense can bounce back. They're ready to go. And I thought to myself that entire time, Well, what happens in those two years when Eli says goodbye? I had a great career. Good luck with your future. Who's playing quarterback? Who's handing Saquon Barkley the ball? And then I finally started coming around. I started finally started thinking about it. Like, the Giants never had a guy like this. The Giants never had an Ezekiel Elliott, a guy who just does it all from the running back position. You know, we had Ahmad Bradshaw, Brandon Jacobs, you know, even Tiki Barber. In my lifetime, none of those guys were what Saquon Barkley might be. None of those guys were all-world athletes, all-encompassing of an offensive skill set. This guy, Barkley, can run, catch, block already. So I finally start coming around as a Giants fan saying, you know what? Maybe we'll just have to figure out the quarterback thing later. Yeah, we never get to draft number two too often. 
yeah, we might not have a chance to draft a great quarterback. Yeah, I might not have too much confidence in Davis Webb being a franchise guy. But you're going to give me this all-world talent to put next to Odell and an offensive line who, goddamn, they need some help. Yeah, I know the line's supposed to help the running back. But a good running back, one who can do everything, catch, run, and block, really helps out an O-line too. And of course, as soon as I start coming around on that, I shoot my own foot. Shoot myself right in the foot. Because I'm sitting here today, after the weekend of the NFL Draft Combine, thinking there is no chance in hell Saquon Barkley goes past number one. This is the Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. Thank you for listening today, man. This is, this is going to be a, a mini pod. It's not going to be a full-length, 50-minute, hour-long episode. Going to get you guys out here in about 20 more minutes. But if you like what you've been hearing, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. iTunes, Apple Podcasts app, SoundCloud, Google Play. Anywhere that you listen to podcasts. I mean, there's like tons of apps out there nowadays. Pocket Cast. Uh, the po- I, don't even, I don't even know. Wherever you listen, though, we're there. So subscribe, rate, and tell us what you think. You can hit me on my Twitter, at Pete Kennedy, with two Ys on the end. And, of course, on our sport blog, Twitter is at SportBlogNYC. So thank you for tuning in. Let us know what you think. Let us know who you think will go first. And if it's not the same person, who do you think should go first? You know, of course, along with who you think the Giants should take and who you hope the Jets can take. But that leads me to my next and final topic for today, and that's going to be regarding the New York Giants themselves, you know? We're just talking about them, and should they go quarterback? Should they go running back if they're lucky enough for Barkley to be there? Should they trade down, right? Should they trade down, try to get a lineman? This guy Quentin Nelson from Notre Dame looks like an absolute savage. Another quick weird thing about that, this guy Quentin Nelson, people are calling him the biggest can't-miss prospect in the entire draft, even higher than Saquon Barkley. They're saying this guy's bust potential is almost non-existent. But because he plays offensive guard and not offensive tackle, most people believe there's no chance he gets picked in the top five. That's a little, that's a little weird to me. A little weird. You know, I get it. Tackle's a little bit harder to come by. Tackle's uh you know, really do play a bigger role in pass protection. And, you know, uh, the strong edge helps the run game as well as protecting the quarterback. So I get it. I get it. But if people are saying that this guy, Quentin Nelson from Notre Dame, is that that set as a can't-miss prospect, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm just saying. I, I wouldn't mind having him. I would not mind having him. So uh, a great scenario for the Giants would be, them trading down and snagging a guy like that to really shore up that offensive line, which we all know ain't great. (laughs) But that's not what I'm here to talk about for the rest of this episode. What I am here to talk about is the offensive weapon on the New York Giants. The one guy who, for good and for bad, has taken this NFL by storm since he came into the league about, what, four years ago now? And that's Odell Beckham Jr. Now, I did a podcast, you know, maybe, what was it, last August. It was right before last season started, before the Giants' debacle uh, of a season happened, the 2-14 and the two and 14, Odell Beckham's injury. Before all that, I did a podcast, and I basically proclaimed Odell Beckham as the LeBron James of the NFL. 
And uh, you may have just heard me say that and say, oh, wow, Pete, that didn't really last too long. That wasn't a, a great take. Where's old takes exposed, you know? But but I'm not taking that. I'm not accepting defeat yet on this. Because the reasoning, if you go back and listen to that podcast, the reasons I made for Odell being LeBron James of the NFL did not have to do all with his on-court prowess and his talent and what he does as a wide receiver in this league. It did have more to do with his off-the-field brand, his ability to sign the biggest shoe deal. I say shoe specifically because it wasn't a cleat deal. Odell Beckham had the biggest shoe deal in NFL history with Nike. This dude can can walk on the street and be recognized with celebrities. He's at the All-Star game, you know, talking to the stars of Black Panther, Chadwick Bossman. He's at the celebrity, the All-Star game, on this on courtside, posting Instagrams, messing with people, and he's recognized, loved by like little kids everywhere, rocking his jersey. He's given his shoes to LeBron James and NBA stars. Like Odell Beckham is literally an NBA star in the NFL. He's looking to change the game. He's looking to be the highest paid player in the NFL, which we all know that's not happening, obviously, because quarterbacks, they're going to take that bigger salary no matter what. No matter what, obviously. I'm not trying to say he's going to do that. But what he does now want, and he's made clear in this past week or so, is he wants a $20 million per year contract. And he obviously wants to stay with the New York Giants. He likes the spotlight. I think he likes the franchise, likes the city. He doesn't look like he wants to leave. But he does want to get paid. And he does seem like the guy who, if he doesn't get what he's looking for, if he doesn't get the contract and the respect from the New York Giants, the team that drafted him, would anyone be shocked if he walked? If he went to the highest bidder? If he went to, you know, L.A., the Rams or something? Or... I was going to say the Jets, but uh, that ain't happening. Um, if he went to another marquee NFL franchise, would anyone be shocked? I would be a little. Sh- I, I would not be shocked. What I what I would be shocked by though, is if the Giants don't pay the man. I would be very shocked if the guy who they picked at number twelve, I believe, who became a, an instant superstar making incredible plays, changing the whole landscape of the Giants' offense, almost saving Eli Manning's career by himself, being such a dynamic weapon. I'd be shocked if the Giants didn't pay him. What does shock me, though, lately, stemming from a mixture of my friends, different analysts, and Twitter, is how many people think the Giants should not pay him. Should not pay him. Giants fans and non-Giants fans alike have been talking it up like they are some tough guy out here who just thinks it's such an easy decision. Oh, how can you pay Odell Beckham $20 million? You're going to cripple your franchise for years. You can't pay a wide receiver that much money. How are you going to sign anybody else? That's what people are saying. And on one hand, do I get that? Do I get what you're saying? Why you're saying it? Sure, I get it. You're trying to be the tough guy GM or fake GM as a fan or whatever analyst. 
who has seen, you know, the Ravens struggle since paying Joe Flacco big money. Or the Lions being so average because they pay Matt Stafford, right? That's like this new idea here in the NFL. You can't pay anybody big money. You can't. But do you know when the real problems arise for NFL franchises? When they pay somebody big money who isn't the best at their craft. Who isn't, by all accounts, one of the top players at his position in the league. Right? And another thing is, if you want to try to save money and nickel and dime Odell Beckham, you know, I had a friend tell me today, I said, he was arguing with me for, for, for maybe 15 minutes saying, oh, you can't pay him, you're not going to be able to sign anybody, how are you going to put other players around him, no defense, yada, yada, yada. I said, all right, answer this. What would you want to pay him? You don't want to pay him $20 million? Sure. What, do you, what would you pay him? What would make you happy? And he said, oh, you know, what about just like the Antonio Brown contract, like $17 million, save a little bit. To what I said, you think $3 million a year is changing the franchise? You know what's changing the franchise? If Odell Beckham's not on this team and Eli Manning, who has little protection, just lost his best weapon of his entire career. That's what's changing the franchise. By all accounts, Odell Beckham is the Giants' prize. He's the Giants' baby, for good and for bad, uh, being the immature guy who many think he is. So my next question comes to this. What's your alternative? What are you doing in place of paying clearly one of the top wide receivers in the league? What are you doing to replace his productivity? To replace his impact on the game without even touching the ball, just by being on the field. How are you replacing that, right? So say you don't pay him the $17 million or the $20 million, whatever it is, and, and you, you spread that money out elsewhere. We all know how football works. Not every signing you make is going to work out. Not every draft pick you make is going to be a hit. Actually, uh, I would say more often than not, your draft picks don't hit, and your free agency signings, if you're lucky, are about 50-50, right? So you save $20 million on Odell Beckham. You let him walk. You let him go tear it up on another team. And, you you know, you get another receiver who clearly isn't going to be the caliber of him because there's not many. And especially the ones who are his caliber are going to want to get paid just like him. Don't get it twisted. You replace him. You get one receiver who's decent. You get another defensive player, maybe a lineman. And that takes up your, your 20 mil, right? You would need to hit on two out of three of those guys and hit it out of the park to make up for what this guy can do. Now, I know I mentioned how I, I called him the LeBron James of the NFL for what he does off the court, for how he's looking to, to change the way people are played, wanting to get more people guaranteed money and stuff of that nature. Well, let me talk about on the court and make a little analogy for you. I said on the court, I meant on the field, but going to the court, think about Stephen Curry, right? Two-time MVP, now two-time champion. Everybody knows he's great, right? What is one thing that he may not get credit for that makes Steph Curry so great? Just by being on the court, just by being present in the game, just by being in the game, defenses need to have multiple eyes Multiple minds 
on Steph Curry at all times. He can score from anywhere. He can pull up from anywhere. He makes his teammates better. Just just put Steph Curry in the corner, right? Just put him in the corner, and you got a guy glued to him, opening up the court for other players. That is what Odell Beckham can do for any franchise he's on. So not only can Odell Beckham catch a five-yard slant and take it for 80, Odell Beckham can line up wide left, command a double team, and allow Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, and possibly some more weapons that come in the future to shine while the defense is focusing in on an all-world talent in Odell Beckham. So you tell me. But don't just tell me yes or no that you should sign him or not resign him. Give me some reasoning. Tell me why you should pay the man or why you shouldn't. I need alternatives. Because what this uh, new age of NFL is all about is probability. Taking the calculated risk. Taking the right chance that gives you just enough opportunity to succeed. So what are the alternatives for this? Where are you replacing his yards? His impact? His off-ball impact? How are you replacing that? Because there's arguments to be made that Odell Beckham single-handedly saved Eli Manning's career. <laughs> you know, <laughs> for real, I, I don't have the statistics on this. Obviously, I, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't know where to even find research like this. But think about the plays where we've seen this man, Odell, catch a ball 5, 10 yards down the field and turn it up for 80. Turn it up for 60-yard touchdown. Make a ridiculous catch down the sideline. Those are all helping Eli Manning be an average quarterback over the past couple years. At best. At best. Okay? So when you sit here and tell me that Eli Manning has two or three years left, and you sit here and tell me that Saquon Barkley should be the Giants pick, think about, think about how the Giants have found any success on offense the past couple years since Odell's been a New York Giant. And think about how they would find success if you replace a top-flight wide receiver in the NFL, a guy who's done stuff that have never been done in this league. Tell me the alternatives. Tell me who's coming in here to make up for it. Who's helping push this team to the next level? And the last thing I want to close with here, and uh, if you're still here, on the SBNY pod, I'll drop a little tidbit of information for you, some big things coming up. I'm going to ask this guy. I'm having on later this week. I don't know if I'm going to drop it at the end of the week or drop it on Monday. It depends when we do the interview, but I'm going to have a guy who actually was drafted in the same year as Odell Beckham by the New York Giants, a linebacker. His name is Devon Kennard. If you're a Giants fan, you should know him. If you're an NFL fan, you should know him as well. Devon Kennard is his teammate. Came in in his draft class. I'm going to ask him. I'm going to ask him what he thinks of his work ethic, his uh, will to win, all that stuff. But do me a favor. Before you wait for the interview with Devon Kennard coming on the SBNY podcast soon, which hopefully will be great. I look forward to it greatly. Go do some of your own research. Go look up some quotes from uh, Damon Snacks Harrison, from Eli Manning, from Olivier Vernon. You know, go look it up. Go ask. Go go see what they said about this dude's will to win. Go go look at Chris Carter, FS1. First things first. Go look to see what he has to say about Odell Beckham. A Hall of Famer. A guy who has mentored so many receivers in the league, including Larry Fitzgerald and and 
so many great players. They say this dude wants to win more than anybody. And they say, you know, a lot of people hear about this diva-type player that Odell Beckham might be. But they don't see him on the practice field bringing it every day. I Actually, I'll, I'll ask Devon Kennard about this, but I heard him on an interview um, during the Super Bowl week, right? He was on Radio Row, so he's doing a bunch of interviews. I was listening to one of them, and they asked him about Odell Beckham, and, and basically he was like, he's like, this guy, this guy's running around on the practice field. He he's trying to make plays. He's not trying to just let it go. He's not trying to just just run through the motions. He's out there working, okay? So before you're so quick to judge about, you know, him punching the the net on the side or or peeing like a dog, which was definitely a bad look. I ain't gonna defend that one. Go look up what his teammates said about his will to win and his work ethic. Now, I know this injury was at a real bad time, and I'm not going to pretend like it didn't happen. But there's all signs pointing to him coming back healthy and ready to go. There's all signs pointing to this dude clearly wanting to get paid. But wanting to get paid and wanting to win are not mutually exclusive. Both of those things could and should exist. And the last thing I'm going to say is... uh, from Tony Gonzalez. You know, he's an often member of The Herd. He comes on Colin Cowherd's show, talks all the time. I always listen to that. He thinks it's a really good interview, real good analyst, right? Colin Cowherd asked him one time, Tony, uh, how many people in the league give it their all? Or how many people in the league, on the other hand, just come in for the paycheck, come in to get the work and get out? And he said something crazy. He was like, he's like, oh, maybe 30% of the league comes in and gives their all, if you're lucky. Well, all the signs that I'm hearing, all the tea leaves that I'm taking and putting together, they all point to the fact that Odell Beckham wants to win, and he comes into work. Now, you can think he's immature. You can think the boat trip ruined the game against the Packers. You can think all that. That's fine. But when the New York Giants decide to pay this man, which is just the due practice of the NFL now, that's standard practice. When the, when the new free agent arrives and he's a top-flight player at his position, he becomes the highest-paid player. If Julio Jones was a free agent right now, he'd be looking for more money than Antonio Brown. If Antonio Brown was a free agent right now, he'd be looking for more money than he made the first time. That's how it works. And that's why every year there's a new highest-paid player at the position. It's all about timing, people. And this guy plant, it happens to be a free agent at the time where he's going to be the best player at his position who's a free agent. So what does that mean? It means the man's going to get paid. And if you're going to be upset about that, I don't know what to tell you. Because when the Giants give Odell Beckham three or four years of uh, the biggest contract for a receiver of all time, there's going to be some naysayers. There's going to be some complainers. There's going to be some people who say, we're hindering the franchise for years to come. What I have to say to that is you're going to have a guy who's the best at what he does, lifting others, wanting to win, and having an effect on the game without even touching the ball that cannot be measured. Odell Beckham, by all accounts, is a top three wide receiver in this league. He deserves to get paid, and if the Giants don't pay him, they'll regret it as they watch him run 80-yard touchdowns for somebody else. Well, this is the SBNY podcast. That took a lot out of me, man. That took a lot out. I get passionate about this because 
you don't get an all-world talent. You just don't get all-world talents like this. You can't let them walk away. You know, I'm all, I'm all for nickel and diming. I'm all for saving the money to pay the right players. But you know what you don't, you know what you don't do? You pay, you don't pay average players top dollar. You know who you pay top dollar? Top-notch players. And if you're going to sit here and tell me that he's not a top-notch player, well, then the conversation's over because you don't know what you're talking about and you don't know what you're watching. And if you're a Giants fan out there listening to me talk about this, thinking to yourself, I don't want to pay that dude. He's immature. He's a cancer. He, he's a diva. He's an egomaniac. Well, I don't want you cheering for the man who's going to lead your team in touchdowns. I don't want you cheering for the guy who's going to lead your team in yards. The guy who opens it up for Sterling Shepard, who allows Evan Engram to shine, who probably will extend Eli Manning's career like he already has. So make up your mind. Do you think he's a child? you think he's immature? Or do you think he's going to grow up a little bit? Or do you think he's already a monster who wants to win as much as anybody? Figure it out. New York Giants are going to figure it out because I ain't no insider, but my gut tells me one thing. They're not letting this guy walk. They know what he has. So in conclusion, in conclusion, my guess is Saquon Barkley goes number one to the Cleveland Browns. So Giants fans who wish they had him, sorry, I don't think it's going to happen. And Jets fans, it was never going to happen. But if you do think now you still have a shot, uh, no, you don't. Saquon Barkley will be the first pick in the draft. The New York Giants will take a quarterback. Not sure which one yet. We'll take a quarterback. And hopefully when uh, Odell Beckham is still on the team in three years when Eli Manning retires or two years when Eli Manning retires, our new guy will have a tried and true superstar to throw the ball to on Sundays. This has been the Sports Block New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. Thank you so much for listening. It went a little longer than a straight-up mini-pod, I guess, huh? Like 38 minutes, not, uh, not exactly a mini-pod, but I got, I got a little carried away. I got excited. I got a little passionate. So let me know what you think. I want to hear your passion come through the tweets. Hit me at PKennedy2Wise, or I want to hear your passion when you rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Let me know what you think. Should the Giants keep Odell Beckham? Should they pay the man? And what quarterback should they take a number two? And New York Jets, I'm rooting for you guys. You might not get the quarterback you wished, but there's a chance you're going to get one. Make it count, and let me know who you think it should be. Thank you guys for tuning in. This has been the Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Pete Kennedy. Tell your friends to check it out. Have a great day and a better week.